first week we talked about this idea of a posture, a posture of teachability. Everybody say teachability. And this is more of a, a disposition than a position. It's, uh, you know, a teachability is, is not when you're slouched in your chair with your arms crossed, unwilling to uh, pay attention, scrolling through your phone and not taking notes. Teachability has a, has a nonverbal and a verbal. It has, a, has an internal and an external. In fact, um, there's a definition that, that Devin shared with you last week I'd like to put on the screen for teachability. Can you show that, that definition? This is a really well done uh, description of teachability. It says it's an attitude or a disposition that can learn from anyone, anywhere, anytime. Followed by actions from what they've received, it's not just hearing, but it's also what? It's also applying. It's doing. We're not just hearers of the word, we're also doers of the word. And I like that you're willing, a teachable spirit is willing to receive from anyone, anywhere, anytime. And that's what we've been talking about in this series. And so today I want to... Um, I wanted to add one more message. In fact, this was supposed to be a two-part series, and last week when Pastor Devin was talking, I felt the Spirit of God drop just kind of another message, and I want you to do this, and I want you to shorten your legacy series, and I want you to do this, and so I just believe this is for someone or somebody's, uh, maybe right in your row. Turn to your row and say, I think it might be you. I think it might be you. All right. <laughs> the, title, the title of this message uh, was born out of this thought that we cannot change our direction until we have a change of correction. Amen. The title of the message today is a change of correction, a change of correction, kind of a play on words. Amen. Amen. You know, I don't, I don't know. Um, I bet you there's probably a lot of people in this room. I know in the first service, this was true. I asked this question. How many of you have ever been when you were a child growing up because of your behavior threatened because of the things you were saying by one of your parents or an authority to wash your mouth out with soap. Anybody have that happen to them? Okay. Wait, less, less in this crowd. Less in this crowd. The first crowd was like 70%. This is about 30%, okay? So a lot of you got away with murder. That's what I'm taking away from that. <laughs> now, in my household, I wasn't just threatened. I actually experienced soap in my mouth. Okay? I still, to this day, have a special or lack of relationship with dial soap, okay? I can still taste vicar like, like I can still go back and I can still taste dial soap in my mouth, everybody. Like I haven't used dial soap on my body my entire life because of what I experienced in my mouth. <laughs> and my mom and my dad used to, they used to, they used to threaten me like, if you keep talking to your sister like that, if you keep speaking like that to me, I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. And I can remember my, my sister doing something stupid, and so I called her stupid. And that was a no-no in our household. You, you don't, nobody calls anybody stupid, and it was off to the bathroom. And uh, the rest you know. You, but it was all because I said this word, stupid. That was really bad, and I still have kind of like a, a reflex that whenever that word is used, I was like, ooh, you can't, you can't, ooh, you can't say that. You know, I can feel the little, it's like, it kind of like get a little, a little, comes back up, you know what I mean? <laughs> throw up in my mouth, dial soap, could be worse. But, uh, but I saw a scripture in the Bible and I thought, aha, God said it. Look at this scripture, Proverbs 12.1. It says, to learn, you must love discipline. It is what? It is stupid to hate correction, Proverbs 12.1. God, you said it's stupid. 
Who's, who washes your mouth out? So. <laughs> easy, Derek. Easy, easy, easy. Now, I love this verse because it says you must love discipline. Amen. How many would say you love discipline or correction? Survey says, uh-uh. <laughs> no, it doesn't happen like that. None of us like it, but the Bible's telling you if you're a mature believer, if you're, if you're growing and moving forward in your relationship with God, if you're going from this level to that level, from, to new heights in your relationship with God, you should come to a place, a stage, a season of life where you begin to embrace love and accept correction. And correction. I believe it's difficult to receive, but it is essential to grow. It is difficult to receive sometimes, but it is essential. Now, what I noticed is that when people, first of all, God is always setting you up for your growth. Whether you realize it or not, he's using circumstances, he's using situations. He often uses people, probably more so than anything, to actually help you grow. And sometimes we're rejecting the resource slash relationship that God has put into our life to cause us the most, the most growth. Are you with me, everybody? And so God set me up in more ways than one by setting me up with my, my, my best friend, my soulmate, my life mate, Stacy. My wife was given to me by God for a lot of different reasons. Now, let me, let me say this. Stay humble over there or you're going to lose your reward. Um... My wife, let me just say this, my wife professionally, by, by, by profession, is a teacher. She's, she's a school principal now, but, but the heart of her, the skill sets, is she's a teacher. She's a professional teacher. She's always teaching, instructing, correcting. She's not only by profession a teacher, she was born a teacher. And in, in our house, you know, we have four kids growing up, you know, we raised... And she was always correcting and directing and telling them how to do this and getting them ready for the future. And this is how you do this and this is how you do that. I mean, constantly teaching, instructing, correcting. And somehow, though I'm not a child, I got pushed into that category <laughs> like the rest of them. Hallelujah. Are you guys seeing where I'm going with this right now? This teacher. And, and, and she would tell me things, you know, about my, my little idiosyncrasies and my little human quirks and things like that and my behaviors. You know, you don't put silverware in like that. You put silverware in like this. It's just getting... Again, woman. Uh, I'm just kidding. You, you, you know, this is how you take the trash. This is where it goes. This is how the trash goes in the trash can. I never knew there needed to be so much organization inside a trash can. Inside. When you... Who's going to go? Anyway, but it's, it's got to be done a certain way. And, and, and my grammar. Oh, I've been corrected more th- hundreds of times on my grammar. Uh, I'm actually very grateful for that because she's trying. I, I've learned. I've learned. Anyway, but just how many times things, how you park the car and how you, you know, all these little things that you do. You're at, oh, my attitude towards authority. Oh, I've been corrected by her more times than you can, you can count. And th- this one, she gets me all the time. I, I don't know what it is. In my little world, my little pond... You know, um, we used to call my dad the Big Kahuna. That was his nickname behind the scenes. That meant he was like large and in charge. He was, he was the CEO. He was the lead pastor or whatever. Well, so that's me. That was bestowed upon me. It was cast, it was, it was passed down. I was going to say cast out. But anyway, <laughs> maybe. Uh, but, 
But in my little world, that's, that's me. But sometimes that, like, that, that, that doesn't translate into other ponds, Pastor Derek. You know? And so my wife reminds me of that sometimes. And so every now and then when, I, when, I'm in, when I'm in a situation with another authority, there's something, it's not right. It comes out of me. I, I, I'm, not like, I'm not always the best person in that situation, specifically with law enforcement. And so I've not had a ticket, by the grace of God, and I want to say that, for many, 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 many years, but I've had a few conversations with the authority where I've been pulled over, and ironically, when I've been pulled over by the authority, the teacher is in the car with me. That one over there. She's somehow always there. And oddly enough, right, and so the, the police officer will be coming to the car and, and she knows me, and I've got, a, I've got kind of an attitude. Like, in my head, I'm thinking, how could he possibly? What in the world? I was barely sinning. <laughs> and he comes, he comes over the car, and as he's getting ready to come over the car, and I'm starting to roll down the window, she said, be nice. She'll say, be nice. Be good. Don't say anything Stupid. And I've come to, I've come to, I've begun to learn that correction is a part, not only of the home, but it's a part of a life that I have. And if I don't, and if you don't see it right, you'll continue to struggle in particular areas of your life that could be very important to your life. In fact, if I don't, if I didn't listen or heed what she was saying, I might have been saying, yes, officer, I will be good. I won't say that ever again. Like I could have been over the car instead of in the car. Are you with me, everybody? One time my wife, um, in 2000, end of 2011, I got sick. I've been a healthy, healthy as a horse uh, for many, many years. And, um, but I got sick, and, and, and I went to the doctor multiple times, and they couldn't tell me what was wrong. They kept sending me home. I kept saying, listen, I don't go to the doctor, so if I'm coming to you, something's wrong. And so I'm frustrated. And so I came back, and, uh, and finally... Uh, when I went one more time, and they said, yeah, we found a little something-something in there in your stomach. It's this little itty-bitty thing. We want to take it out. We can do it with laparoscopic surgery. It's no big deal. It's benign. So I go back. I tell my wife, I said, baby, they just said, it's no big deal. It's benign. I'm not going to worry about it. <laughs> Forget about it. It's no big deal. She's like, no. She goes, you need to do that. I go, no, I'm not going to do that. It's, this is end of the year. All these doctors are just trying to turn a buck. <laughs> this is an honest confession of a pastor, okay? You just get it behind the scenes. It's, this is me 2011, so don't judge me in 2022, okay? <laughs> I've evolved, okay? But that was me. And so I start, you know, blowing it off. I'm not going to do it. So we're, t we're outside one time. We're walking. It's like a winter wonderland in the neighborhood that we lived in. There was a fresh snow, having a great day. And all of a sudden, this conversation comes up about this surgery. And I just, I'm not going to do it, baby. It's nothing. She's, and she's, she got around in front of me, and she stuck her little Q-tip finger in my face. <laughs> And she said, you are going to have that surgery. Do you understand me? You need to take this seriously. Don't be stupid. And that was, I was smarting inside. I was like, nah. Ugh. But she got up on my grill. Listen, I went in. I went in for a laparoscopic surgery. And when they went in there to pull this little itty-bitty thing out, they realized they had misdiagnosed it. That little thing had something on top of it the size of a softball in my stomach. And it was just dangling where it could have, if it touched a wall or an organ, could have been a major problem, and it had some cancer in it. Jesus. That correction saved my life, I believe. Amen. It saved my life. 
Yep. Let me say one more thing. That received correction saved my life. Correction will keep you from, my daddy used to say, let's quote daddy day somehow. He used to say, if you don't receive concrete correction, you'll be behind concrete correction. So we have to see correction right. And in many respects, my wife and God are a lot alike. Because God is a God who corrects. Here's our big idea. Write this down if you're taking notes. God helps us change through correction. If you need a change of direction, it's going to be preceded by a change of what? Correction. Everybody say, I love how this hurts so far. So how do we get to a place where we can embrace, where we can receive it uh, so that we can be saved from some of the biggest mistakes in our life so we don't have to, uh, you know, face concrete discipline or maybe some horrible circumstance to change correction? Number one, write this down. We have to see correction as love. One of, one of the, the culture is setting, uh, is redefining things left and right. And one of the things that I think it has done a long time ago is it's tried to define discipline. This has, been, this has been a problem for many, many years. It's, now it's redefining all kinds of things, gender and marriage. But it's, it redefined discipline many years ago as something other than love. Discipline is love, everybody, according to the word of God. Lots of family analogies that are used throughout the day, but for those of you who have ever had kids, you've ultimately had to correct your kids, and sometimes, sure, you've done it in frustration, but for many of us, we did it because we cared about them, because we loved them, you know? Now, I, was, I was raised old school. I'm going to tell you some old school stories, but I, I was, and again, I'm, I'm using family analogies only just to, to, for illustration, but this is all play, all seasons, all people. The idea of receiving correction. But when I was a boy, I, I was spanked. Okay? What do, what do I mean by that? I received the, the Board of Education on the Seat of Learning. You guys know what I'm talking about right now? That's how it was, it was dished out, doled out in my house. Okay? And um, <laughs> my, when I got in trouble, let's say I got in trouble with my sister. She did something stupid. I called her stupid. We both get in trouble. Okay? Uh, it could have been the reverse, but... I doubt it. Um, I got the mic. Uh, but when we got in trouble, we, we, we could get spanked. And, and, and interestingly enough, uh, you know, when my father would discipline us, he, I can remember him coming in the room, and, and he'd grab us by our shoulders, you know, to try to calm us down. I'd be, you know how you have that, like, hyperventilating? You just know what's coming. You're anticipating the pain and, the, and just, oh, you know, son, I want you to calm down. I just want you to, yeah, son, just relax. Your dad loves you. I just want, I just want you, dad, I want you to know, I'll never do it again, you know, and I'm trying to negotiate. He's like, no, no, son, no, son, you're going to get, you're still going to get spanked, but I want you to know something. There's nothing you're going to say that's going to change what's coming to you in just a second. Oh my God. And he'd say, and he'd say, I want you to know something, son. This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And in my little nine-year-old mind, I thought, there is no way in H-E double hockey sticks it's going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me. <laughs> but now, I'm on the other side. Thank you, Jesus. And I, I do look back, and I do look through a different lens where I realize, no, he was loving me. He was loving me. 
and that that discipline is simply part of the process of growth. And if I can't receive that discipline, if I, if I don't accept that discipline, I'll continue to go on and struggle, and sometimes really bad things can happen in my life. And I think God looks at us that way, everybody. I remember my sister, when she would get disciplined, my dad would go, her room was here, my room was way down the hallway, the kitchen was before my sister's room where the, the Board of Education on the Seat of Learning hung on the wall. And so my dad would go down the hallway, he'd grab the Board of Education, and then he'd go into my sister's room first to discipline her, and I would go second. Let me just tell you something. That is, that, pray you never go second. <laughs> Always go first, okay? Go first. Because he would begin to walk into my sister's room, and she would begin negotiations. My sister could talk a, anybody off a building. She could talk a terrorist out of a tower. Dad, 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 wait, 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 here's the thing, here's the thing, dad. I totally understand where you're coming from. Nope, 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 you don't need to step any further. You don't need to step any further, dad. Dad, dad, ah! She starts, she's not even been hit, she's not even struck, nothing's happened. Janelle, calm down. I'm down the hallway. I have not received the Board of Education, but I am getting an education by and through her behavior. <laughs> but ultimately, he would go through with it and he would discipline her. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, look what it says. It says, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. So if we're, we see ourselves as a child and when discipline comes, we don't say, oh, discipline's coming, I'm out. Give me a new dad and a new mom. I'm bailing. Like, no, you, you can't bail on the discipline just because you don't like discipline. But the Bible even goes on to say, because the Lord disciplines those he, what? He loves. So without discipline, you are without love. No discipline, no love. And then I'll show you in a little bit. So my sister had to receive discipline. I had to receive that discipline. And if we don't, we stay, look at the spiritual parallel, we stay babies. We stay babies. We never grow. Many people in the church of Jesus Christ today are simply infants or babies in adult, spiritual infants and babies in adult bodies because we've never received correction. Let, let, let me say it like this. You're God's creation. Everybody was God's creation, but you have to choose to be his child. You choose to be his child by exercising your free will agency. You, the most powerful muscle you have in your body is free will. Yeah. It's more powerful than your quadriceps and your deltoids and your pecs and all of that. I could keep going if you need me to. It's more powerful. It's the most powerful muscle you have, but it has to be exercised to say yes to God. I surrender. I'm wrong. You're right. I need forgiveness. I'm lost without you. That's how you get saved. Only people who are forgiven get to heaven. Are you with me, everybody? But many people will get to heaven crawling in like an infant. They never learned how to run in this life because you choose to be his child, but you also have to choose to receive the discipline of your father. Oh my gosh, that's a word. I should have a better amen from this church right now, okay? But a lot of times, we don't, we don't want discipline. We don't like it, you know? And, and so the Bible goes on to say in so many words that he, he disciplines us so that you can endure. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 and following says, God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which you have participated, 
then you are illegitimate children and not sons. So what happens is illegitimate is basically mean you're unwanted. So if you're not receiving discipline from God or from authority of some kind, shape, or form in your life, eventually you'll come to the conclusion, this is what affects people's identity adversely, is that you're not wanted. See, when you tell a child, break it down, PD. When you tell a child, yeah, you can do that, yeah, you can do that, and everything the kid asks, you just says, yes, you can do that. Initially, the kid's thrilled. Woohoo! I get to do whatever I want. But eventually... They'll come to the conclusion, the revelation, realization, because you let me do whatever I want means you don't want me. We need discipline. Discipline is a part of love. We have to see discipline right. Are you with me, everybody? But discipline's hard work, Pastor. <laughs> yes, it is. Who wants to go in there when a kid's negotiating with you and try to, oh, I don't want the discipline? Right? We're resisting. How many times do you try to give some people some help and that's what you get? You get negotiations. You get defensiveness. You get resistance. You're like, oh, what's the point? I don't want to do this anymore. Has anybody ever had a kid that they had to ground? You ground your kid? I don't believe in corporal punishment. I ground my kids. Okay. How's that working out? Right? Because here's what happens is when you ground your kid, you're grounded too. You realize that? I used to remember, I'm like, this grounding thing, let's try this out. And then I'm like, I'm held hostage on the weekend with this punk who is the sinner. What in the world? I'm an adult. You're a kid, you screwed up, and I can't go out. It's hard work. It's hard work. And then on top of that, the recipient of the discipline has trouble receiving it. And they have condemnation about it. And they reject it ultimately. Here's what I wrote in my notes. If I don't see it right, I'll receive it wrong. If I don't see it right, I'll receive it wrong. And so a spiritually mature person, I've said this in different ways, is actually one who is grateful for correction. Thank you for that. I love, this is a PDism. I love how it hurts. It hurts, but I love it. Because it's making me better. You've done surgery on some part of me that I desperately needed. Thank you for that. You know, Pastor Jerry sent me a video a while back by Dr. Henry Cloud, who I've had the opportunity to be in close proximity to at one time in my life and spent a whole week with him. And he had this analogy where he, he, talks, about, he talks about light, light being like correction. And he said, there's two kinds of people. There's the wise son or daughter, and there's the foolish son or daughter in the Bible. The wise son or daughter responds to light, or you could say correction interchangeably, like this. They respond to light, and they, a wise son, daughter, adjust to the light. Are you with me, everybody? In other words, they're quick to repent. They're grateful. They receive it, and they apply it. They're hearers and doers, right? But a foolish son adjusts the light or daughter. And they're defensive, and they're reluctant, and they're resistant, and, and they provide sometimes lip service. Yeah, 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 but they never do anything with it. Okay, that's a foolish son. And so we, if we're mature or are maturing, we must be ones, people of God, who adjust to the light. And your struggle with Light, if you struggle with that, you will stay in darkness. You'll stay in darkness. Now, why does that happen sometimes? I think it's fundamentally it's an identity issue. 
at the core. It's like you don't see it right. You don't see how God sees you. You don't see it as love. When you see that God loves you, you're gonna, your identity is going to be more secure or established. In other words, it's better. It's a way my daddy used to say is that right behavior follows right standing. But see, the world teaches us do right and then you'll be right. You'll be okay with people. No, God says, I want you to get okay with me. I want you to know. One time my son made a, a mistake before he started his ministry. And I remember his mom put him in my office. Not at home, but he's at the office. You need to go over there and talk to Devin. You need to deal with him. That's how she'll say stuff. You need to deal with him. So I go over there, and, I, and as I'm going over there, I'm a little upset with something that happened, because, you know, and a choice that he made, character decision that he made. And I remember walking over there. You know what? You need a father not just there to encourage you spiritually or biologically. You need a father who's there for you when you fail. Yeah. And I remember going over there, and I remember thinking, he needs me now more than ever. And I need to convey to him, if this is going to change, that nothing he could do would change how much I love him. So the first words out of my mouth were, son, and he's scared, he's white as a ghost. And he's, I said, son, I just want you to know something. Your dad loves you more now than ever. And nothing you've done, could do, or will do in the future could cause me to love you more. And you need me now more than ever. Now listen, you understand? Yes, sir. I want you to tell me what happened. Everything and don't hold anything back. Just tell me everything. Boom. He just burst. And he got it all out. And he received that I gave him some correction. He received it. And we moved on. And that thing is under the blood of Jesus. And it's not under the bridge. It's not coming up later. It's under the blood of Jesus Christ. It's over and it's done. But he adjusted to the light. But he also, we established right standing with his earthly father. That's what helps us become uh, uh, correctable and get back on course is when we're in better uh, right standing with God himself. And so we won't deflect things because we have a healthy identity issue. I struggled back in the day in church, like many of you do. I remember coming to church and my daddy would preach on, you know, something about renewing the mind, you know, and toxic thoughts and habitudes and, and, and all these different words that he would use. And we talk about the mouth and, and the things that we say and, and, and the, the curses that we bring upon ourselves and bad confession and all these incredible messages. And he talked about the heart and the, how it's deceptive and, and desperately wicked. Who can know it, as the Bible says? And how do we get our heart right? And he wants to give us this for that. And I, I remember all those things were amazing, amazing messages. And I would come in to church and I would, and I would go away like, oh, another thing I have to fix. My mind is so toxic, and my words are so messed up, and my heart is so far away from God. And, and every week I'd come in, you know, this is how we go to church, go to church, go to church. And then I listen to the message, and that's true. This is how we go back home, go back home, go back home. And it was all... <laughs> it was all because I thought I had to change me. And I want you to listen to this, because... The thing is, sometimes we get deceived into thinking, I have to change everything. I simply have to agree with God, and he will change everything. So correction is so powerful. Correction is truth. Hopefully packaged with grace. But correction is truth. And the truth that you know will set you what? 
it'll set you free, okay? And so when you agree with God, he changes you. Now, sometimes, how does it look? Sometimes those changes are imperceptible to the naked eye. You don't see it like maybe moment to moment or even day by day. But over time, because that truth got down in the inner parts, as the Bible says, it begins to take root inside of you and it begins to grow and it begins to flourish and eventually it begins to manifest on the outside so that you can say like I can say, I'm not the same person that I used to be. I used to be a liar. I used to be a loser. I used to be filled with shame and lust and guilt and all those things. But I'm not the same person that I was in the past because as a child of God, I received correction from God and those changes began to take root in my life and they can take root in your life as well in Jesus' name. Are you with me, everybody? Just agree, just agree to agree with God and you'll begin to change. Are you with me? So... Some of you are like not receiving the benefits that are available to you because you've got a little bit of a gypsy spirit. That's what I call a gypsy spirit. You're just like, you're just like in a cart and horse. You're just bouncing around from one community to another. I like to worship here. I like small groups there. I like pastor so-and-so is preaching over there. Oh, I don't even have to go this week. I can just go online. And I'm just bouncing around like a gypsy from thing that you need to get rooted in relationships so that you can receive the benefits of correction. Are you with me, everybody? So this is, this is a good message, whether you're receiving it or not. Now, some of you on the other side, you're like, yeah, that's true. I love to correct. I have the ministry of correction. I'm the, poli- I'm the warden of the church. I'm law enforcement for Jesus Christ, okay? Listen, I would just say... That you sometimes, and, and people who, stro- who, who just look forward to that, listen to this principle. Write this down if you're taking notes. Never discipline what you haven't discipled. Never discipline what you haven't discipled. In other words, don't dish it out until you first, until you first invested in them, poured into them. Have you clarified the expectations? Have you made, it, have you made sure that you, they understand? Like, don't, don't go in there. Don't go in there, you know, flying arrows at them and stuff like that until you've done a lot of training and explaining. Because we're not trying to correct because we're annoyed. We're correcting to raise champions for Jesus Christ. Are you with me? And if you don't have that right disposition or attitude, it's going to affect the dynamic in the relationship. Number two, write this down. Here's another. I've really said this in so many words, but we have to see. We don't just see correction as love. We have to see the benefits of correction. The benefits of correction are growth. You know, in the plant kingdom, we know this to be true, that for things to, 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 to get uh, fresh growth, to, uh, to make sure things are being cultivated right, there has to be regular pruning. Now, if you give Stacy and I a plant, a living organism, a living plant, it will die in a month. <laughs> I'm just telling you that, you know, if you come a month later, it will, it will die. It will be dead. We, we, we're not attentive to uh, living plants, and so everything's fake in our house, including our Christmas tree. But we had, a, we had somebody give us some flowers, or I don't know if Stacy Bottom, she must have had a, a moment or something. Whitney bought them for us? Oh, God bless her. Whitney, sorry about that, Whitney. We're so sorry. But Whitney bought us some flowers, and these, sorry? Oh, it's still, I'll get to that. So we had this, these flowers bought and, and, and they, were, they were starting to die. And so I had a little season. I'm like, wow, let's see if I can do something with this. I heard about this pruning thing. So I went out there with some scissors. I got my Cutco scissors and I'm snipping away. 
Man, within like a couple days, things started bouncing back. I'm like, this is incredible. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, it's amazing how pruning works in the plant kingdom, but you won't allow pruning in the relational kingdom. Are you equally, are you equally as receptive to what God would want to do in your life and in your church if you had some effective pruning taking place, it's, it's more beneficial there. And by the way, we have neighbors that are really good. They're, they're, all their plants are flourishing. And so what we did was we slid our plant pot over to that side. And vicariously, the plants were like looking over like, oh, you know, this is what it's like to live, you know. And, and, and they started like leaning all that way, like, can we be in your family? And, no, but anyway, he started watering our plants and they came back to life and the plant pot's still alive. But do you, in this, this principle, pruning is correction in the relational realm. Pruning is correction in the relational realm. Do you, do you have people who see it coming for you? Do you know what I mean by that? Like, you know what it's like to watch a TV show or a movie. I'm the worst at this. They will tell you, it's, you know, if I don't, she'll, she'll, she'll you know, rat me out here publicly. But if we're watching a movie, I always see it coming, and I want her to know I see it coming. I'm like, this is what's going to happen right now. You get ready. It's going to be. Shit, stop. Tell me. I don't want to know about that. Oh, I'm just watching it. See? And then a few minutes later, it happens. I'm like, see, I was right. You know? I can't help myself. I can't help myself. I literally cannot help myself. It is absolute disease. Um, but we have that in different arenas of life. You have people in your life who see it coming. They see where that marriage problem is. They see if you keep going like that, this is where it's going to end up. If you keep talking to your kids like that, this is what's going to happen. They, I call it the principle of the path. They see where it leads. A lot of us are living our life only looking at where we are, but we have people in our life that can see where it goes. Do you have, like I said, I said a couple weeks ago, do you have a wisdom portfolio? Do you have people in your life that help you, that you gave permission to see it coming? You need that. You need that to grow. Or you'll be in the same place a year from now. My wife and I just met with a couple uh, a week ago after church, pastors and ministry. And in so many words, they were willing to like submit their whole lives, their whole ministry, everything. And they were basically saying, I don't want to be here where I am now five years from now. You don't want to be in a situation where you're in the same place looking back with regrets and the only way things are going to change is if you're willing to receive correction and the pruning that God has for you in the context of relationship. Encouragement will make you feel better, but correction will make you better. It'll make you better in Jesus' name. Are you with me, everybody? Proverbs 17.10 says it like this. A reprimand goes deeper into one who has understanding, listen, and a teachable spirit than a hundred lashes into a fool. So you can be receiving discipline, but if you have a foolish attitude that is adjusting the light and you don't have a teachable spirit, it won't do anything. But if you have a teachable spirit, it'll go down deep and it'll bear much fruit into your everyday life. Here's how correction helps you. I put a few things in my notes using like the five physical senses as it were. Correction helps you see better. It helps you see better. Like we all have blind spots. Do you realize you have blind spots? We know that when we're driving our car, that's why we have mirrors. But in our relational world, do you have somebody that helps you see the parts of you that you cannot see? Uh, a couple of years ago, we started instituting the idea of uh, 360 reviews within our company, within our organization, for all our employees. And, and I remember how excited that, that sounded, and everything was great. And then all of a sudden, one of the board members came up to me and said, yeah, we think you should do it, Pastor Derek. And in my head, on the outside, I was like, oh. 
But in my head, I was like, well, really? I don't know how I feel about that. I've been working for 28, 29 years in ministry. I've never had a 360 review. I'm kind of like, you know, top of the food chain in this little pond. I don't know about that, you know? But then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, a wise son would adjust to that light. I said, yeah, let's do that. And so I went through the 360. We've now done it twice now. It got a little more intense the next time. But anyway... We, we did it, and, and, and it was incredible. In fact, I came back, and I'm a pretty good pastor. Praise the Lord, I was happy about that. But there were some things that I didn't see about myself that were very, very helpful. Very, very helpful. You all have blind spots. Uh, another thing that correction helps you is hear better. We all could hear better because we have it. Guys, your, your wives are asking you to pay attention in their, in their minds right now, just so you know, because we have a tendency to have selective and interpretive hearing. Wife. <laughs> she's like yeah I'm the worst though it's true uh, sometimes my wife will tell me something she'll send me down in the basement to get something and bring it upstairs I get to the bottom of the stairs I've already forgot and I'll come back up and she's like where is it I'm like what what is it I I just, we just talked about, I sent you down there what were you thinking uh, I don't know monosyllabic tones I play in sandboxes I don't know I don't know so guys have this tendency. Here's a slide. I want you to see what women say and what guys hear. Can you, can you show that little slide right now? Here's what women say to us sometimes. This is an example. This is a woman talking to her husband. I love you, honey, but you're a slob. You have to start, you have to start cleaning. It's amazing how lazy you become. I already miss the days you lend a hand. So maybe you could start helping out a little. I'll be back late tonight, so don't even think you can go out to the bar with your friends. Don't forget to call your mother so she doesn't worry. I'm swamped at work today, and there's no way I can take care of everything by myself. Sharon will be back in an hour when she does make her what she wants to eat when she gets there. Not what you want to eat so she doesn't vomit like she did after breakfast yesterday, will you? Please be there. Wait for her to finish. Let her show you that she's brushed her teeth, and please sit by the bed until she falls asleep. I love you, XXX. The husband hears this. I love you. You're amazing, honey. Tonight, go out to the bar with your friends. Don't worry. I'll take care of everything myself. Be back. And when you want breakfast, it will be there by the bed. I love you. I think it says sex on the bottom, not XXX. That's how I would have wrote it. Because that's what he hears. Hello. <laughs> There's so many ways that correction helps. It helps us how we, it helps us how we, how we talk. How we talk. I, I, I'm a communicator. I'm actually, this my, it's my, my, my gift, but sometimes I don't realize how I come across. Correction helps you with how you come across. Even my kids sometimes, Dad, I can't say it like that. My wife's like, honey, you, you can't say I'm like, what, what, what? You know, veins coming out of my head, cords in my neck. Like, I don't understand. That's what I said. That's what I meant. You know, you don't realize how you're coming across. And sometimes we, gotta, we, gotta, we need help so that what we need to say has the right approach. Amen. The right approach. Approach is everything. All right, number three, write this down because I'm way out of time. Are you guys still having fun with me today? Okay. All right, number three. This is a big one, okay? This is the wrap-up in a nutshell. Here's what keeps us from the benefits of correction is many of us have an emotional sunburn. An emotional sunburn. An emotion, and, when, and because of this, you'll stay stuck, maybe even sinking, because I, I, think, I think life is motion. I think you're moving forward or backwards. I don't, I don't think you can tread water very long in life. You get that, everybody? It's just a picture for you. But, but the person who has the sunburn sometimes has a, a, an attitude that 
Well, the reason that, uh, you know, I couldn't is because their approach. It's how they said it. Uh, no, not for you. Uh, the reason that I couldn't receive that was, you know, it was, it, was, it was their intent. Wait, you're judging their heart and their intent? Wait a second. How do you know the intention of their heart? No, the reason, honey, is you have a sunburn. An emotional sunburn is, is no matter how you touch it, it's going to hurt. You could go bang or you could go boop and, it, and they'll still be hurt. I got another dad-ism coming out of me today, but he used to teach this story about the vase. The vase has got something inside of it, and what provoked it on the outside might have been the responsibility of the person, but what came out from the inside was the responsibility of that person. I might have knocked the vase over gently or softly, but what came out, that was, that was on them. Are you with me, everybody? And so people with an emotional sunburn have a poison sometimes inside of them that needs to be healed. And if you don't get healed, whoever corrects you will hurt you. If you don't get healed, whoever corrects you will hurt you. And the interesting thing is, and this is a reality, and I hate to tell you this, but I want to be a good pastor, and that is it's because you've been offended. But here's the thing is, offenses are going to keep coming. The Bible promises us that. In Luke chapter 17, verse 1, it says, it's impossible that no offenses should come. Bumper sticker, anyone? Takers? No. No, we don't like that one, right? Many offenses will come, and as a result, many will be captive by those offenses. They'll be arrested. They'll be taken captive. And so offenses is not an if. It's a when. It's going to happen. But listen, it's also a who. Who offends us? Look at the scripture. The people that offend us typically or that... Cause us to be captive by that offense are typically the people who are closest to us. So if we really want to benefit the most from correction, if we really want to like, if we had to summarize some of the things, we got to see it as love, okay? We got to understand it has benefits for us. We got to make sure that identity thing is figured out. But a lot of times we're not receiving correction because there's an offense. And that offense a lot of times is through just a specific or small circle of people. Psalms 55, 12 says, it's not an enemy who taunts me. I can bear that. It's not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could hide from them. Instead, it's you, my equal, my companion, a close friend. What good fellowship we enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. See, the closer the relationship, the more significant the offense. And so when that happens, those people, when they try to help you, they hurt you because you've been, or you've been allowed, you've allowed yourself to be offended. Offense is a trap. The word offense in the Greek is the word scandalon, by which we get the idea scandal. A scandalon. It's a little piece of wood that the word picture is, it's like a trap to catch an animal. And there might be some fruit or something delectable inside the trap. And the trap door opens up and there's a little piece of wood holding the trap door open. That little piece of wood is called a scandalon. And what happens is we allow offenses to get into our heart. And before you know it, we're trapped. And we bump that scandalon. We allow that offense and the trap door closes us in. Many people are trapped by the offense of someone close to them. And so for us to move forward, we're going to have to forgive those offenses. Will you stand your feet and let me pray for you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Let's have a holy moment here for just a second. 
I want you to think about what the Holy Spirit is saying to you through this message. Just ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message, Lord? I am your servant. I'm listening. Maybe there's somebody here who's allowed an offense into their heart from somebody close. And I'm just here to say to you, sir, ma'am, boy, or girl, you need to forgive that person. Forgive does not mean you trust them. That's different. That's a different word. It's a different definition. Forgiveness doesn't mean we're saying it didn't hurt or minimizing the offense or go back in the relationship. No, forgiveness is saying you're letting it go. You're not holding on to whatever was inside that trap, that fruit, that, that thing that, that you wanted so badly. You're letting it go so you can be released from that trap. Release them. Forgiveness is releasing them. Now, I want to say something strong to you. If you're ever going to need forgiveness, you're going to need to forgive them. And sir, man, boy, or girl, you're going to need forgiveness in the future because we all stumble in many ways. So right now, for every person in this room where you, Holy Spirit, are bringing to the forefront of their mind the windshield of their heart, you're bringing that person that was close to them, maybe hurt them. I know it was bad. I know it was wrong. I know it was unjust, unfair, unkind, cruel maybe even. Lord, I pray that you give them the grace, but you help them make the decision, the courageous decision to forgive. Release them in Jesus' name. Because as soon as you release them, you are opening yourself up to growth at another level that you couldn't possibly imagine. You'll begin to see God. You'll begin to see God's people totally differently. And he'll put people into your life that you now won't have that sunburn. And you can receive what God has for you so you can change and grow the way God has intended for you to change and grow. Now with every head bowed, every eye closed still, honoring the person around you. If you're here today and you've never received forgiveness from God, he can't wait to let you off the hook for the different things that have happened in your life, the different mistakes, sins, the histories, the stories. He wants to let you off the hook because God the Father sent his son into the world to take all of that sin and put it on his son and then put it upon a cross, not on a lamb, not on a, 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 you know, a temporary sacrifice, but a once and for all sacrifice that would pay for your sins and not for your sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Jesus Christ came into this earth to do that for you so you could be saved. But you as a child have to receive that forgiveness from him. And if that's you and you know he's speaking to you and he's knocking on the door of your heart and you never had that certainty before, this isn't for those of you who've done it before, but those of you who've never done it, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand good and high and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I don't want to go out of this room today without that certainty of confidence. One, two, three. Thank you, Jesus. Raise it so I can see you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. At the back there. Thank you. Three or four people back there. One over here. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your courage. All the way in the back there. Thank you. Thank you in front here. Thank you. Thank you guys in the front. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Good, good, good. Church, would you pray with these people? And those of you who raised your hand, say this from your heart. Mean it as you confess it. Father, I just say, Father, thank you for sending your son. I receive what Jesus did for me. I accept that I needed correction so I could have a change of direction. I receive that I was a sinner, but today I receive the grace that you provided for me on the cross 2,000 years ago so I could be in right standing with you. And because of that, I can have right behavior for you as well. I thank you in Jesus' name. Today is the day of salvation for me. 
my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And along with the angels, we all celebrate for those who profess their faith today. Come on, church, let's give God a big praise in this room. Let's thank Him for His Word. Let's thank Him for the correction. Let's thank Him for salvation in Jesus' name. Amen.